Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey, what's going on? Jordan Edwards here with with Ron Jaworski, and we're really excited to have him. Ron Jaworski, otherwise known as Jaws, played 17 seasons in the NFL, most notably for the Philadelphia Eagles, where he took them to the Super Bowl in 1980. After retiring at the end of his 1989 season, he hopped into business and broadcasting. Jaworski was owner and team president of the Philadelphia Soul of the Arena Football League, and owner and manager of seven golf courses in the tri-state area. After building his career broadcasting for several teams, Jaws was able to make the jump into the Monday night football booth. And he's been a broadcaster and analyst for over 25 years. So welcome. Welcome, Jaws. How are you doing? Jordan, doing fantastic. Great to be with you. Keep up the awesome work. I know you're down there in Tampa, so you must be pretty excited in that region about Tom Brady, the GOAT coming to Tampa with all those weapons, man. You got to be excited down in Tampa. Great to be with you. Yeah, for sure. The Clocked In Podcast. We're excited to have you here, too. So when, I, when I'm when i starting this, I kind of want to start with football, and then we'll transition to business sure. and broadcasting. So football, what's your fondest memory of football that you experienced? You know, it, it, it's kind of interesting, Jordan, as I've get further removed from my days as a player. You know, I, I, I remember less of the individual accomplishments, the team accomplishments, you know, going to the Super Bowl, being the league MVP in 1980. You know, all those things are, are really cool. But what I remember most now are the relationships with my coaches, uh, my teammates. Uh, in fact, uh, yesterday I played golf with Mike Quick, Seth Joyner, and Herb Lusk. You know, three guys that I played ball with and we go out and play golf. And, you know, those are the moments now that I cherish when we bust each other's stones, have a good time, <laughs> talk about how great we were, although we weren't. <laughs> Just having having those kinds of relationships are, are, are what I remember most. And and what I've learned from my teammates and coaches and those guys like a Dick Vermeil that kind of molded me as, as a football player and as a person is still a mentor to me. So, you know, the further I get removed from the on-the-field accomplishments, uh, I forget those. I remember the the personalities and the people that uh, we did good things with. Yeah, I love that answer because relationships really are the key to everything. Now, what did football – obviously, you've been out of the game for a little bit. <laughs> 
but what does football mean to you now? Well, you know, I, you know, I played for 17 years uh, for head coaches like Chuck Knox, uh, Don Shula, Dick Vermeil, Marty Schottenheimer. Those guys alone have won close to a thousand games in the NFL, a thousand. So you, you can just by, by their number of wins they've had in the fiercely competitive NFL, you get to understand the type of character they were, you know, why they won, uh, why they were successful. And, and, you know, when I, when I think of any success I've had, a lot of it is predicated on what I learned from those coaches because they were my mentors. You know, they chewed my butt out. They patted me on the back. They taught me right from wrong. They taught me the importance of teamwork, the importance of leadership. So when I look back at those coaches, they were really the key to success that I have now. You know, after when you play football for 17 years, then you go into broadcasting the last 29 years as an ESPN broadcasting talent. You know, I'm thankful for those guys that really formed my foundation. And what were some of those habits that you learned from Shula and Vermeil and all the coaches and mentors you had? I, I think that there are a lot of things I learned, but but probably the, the number one thing is a work ethic. And, and fortunately, you know, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a steel town called Lackawanna, New York, which was a suburb of Buffalo, New York. And uh, it was the home of Bethlehem Steel. And there were about 21,000 people in the city of Lackawanna. And I think about 19,000 worked at Bethlehem Steel. It was a blue-collar, hard-working community. And, and so I, I learned that work ethic from my mom and my dad. And, and, and that was so important. And then, you know, I expanded on that when I went to Youngstown State University and had a terrific football coach there by the name of Dyke Beatty, who taught me that, you know, hard work can take you anywhere you want to go. And when you get to pro football, you realize how competitive it is. I mean, everyone that gets the NFL has absolutely incredible talent, even those that don't make it. And as uh, you spoke earlier, I was the owner of the arena team in Philadelphia. And the difference between guys that make it in the NFL and the arena league uh, that was that much. And I realized that back in 1973, my rookie year in the NFL, I go out to Los Angeles and I'm going, wow, you know, this is Tinseltown. But I, my job was to play football. And I, I realized, man, this is fiercely competitive. These are all good football players. You know, the guys at the quarterback position – John Hadle, James Harris, many of these guys were like iconic figures. So I realized if I didn't put in the time, make the sacrifice to make it in the NFL, I would never make it. So I really learned that good hard work ethic from my parents and from the coaches I had in the NFL, I realized how competitive it is. In fact, you know, uh, in my company, you know, my, our, our mantra is, you know, we compete every day. You come in the office, man, you better come in and compete. You know, there's no loafing, you know, and I learned that because, that's what I was taught. And if you want to be successful, you got to work at it every day. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And what are maybe some daily habits that you mean work at it? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to put in the time. And you hear that a lot from the coaches. You know, I want players to get, get to put in the time. And, you know, no, no one has this magic wand and say, hey, we're going to be great, you know. <laughs> and, I played, and I played on good teams and I played on bad teams. And there is a discernible difference how a coach builds that team. And I'm not going to get into those guys that were negative because that's not what I, not how I'm wired. You know, I don't usually speak yeah. about negative. I try to be as positive as I can. But really, you know, when I come to work, you know, I want to be the leader. I want to be the tempo setter. I want to be the guy that people say, hey, 
you know, there's the boss. There's the guys that own the company. He, you know, and he's still he's still coming to work every day. You know, and, yeah. and I think that sets a tempo for the entire people in the company. You know, I'm not like, hey, I'm spending the winter down in Florida, you know, and playing golf every day. I do take some time off, though. I, uh, I think that is important that you get a little breathing room between yourself and the business. But I think as, as a leader, you have to be the tempo setter. And, and people know if you're a leader and you're leading the right way, they will follow. Yeah, and you definitely earned a little time off, too. <laughs> I appreciate that. My handicap isn't what it used to be, but I still, uh, I still get a little time off to go home. Yeah, yeah. I love to hear it. The hard and part is, Jordan, I can walk out this door right now, and I'm 20 feet from the first tee. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm at the Rambler Country Club, one of my properties. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to spend this next half hour with Jordan talking football when I can be out there playing golf. But oh, it's great to be with you. Yeah, yeah. We're happy to have you here, too. So when you were uh, in your career kind of starting off, what drew you to broadcasting? Because I noticed that you did some broadcasting stints even when you were still a player. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, everyone that plays professional football, you know, gets indoctrinated to, you know, being in, in the world of television, either by doing interviews, you know, hosting three-minute segments on shows, and just being, you know, acclimated to what the television world was about. And quite honestly, I never thought about a broadcasting career. You know, when I was buying golf courses, it was during my playing days. So I, my goal was to acquire golf courses, make them good ongoing business. So when I did retire as a player, as an active player, I could just kind of meander right into the golf course ownership operational business. And it did work out that way. But also, after I retired in 1990, and my office is actually about, right now, about 20 minutes from NFL Films, just down the road here. And I live in this area. So uh, when I retired, Steve Sable, uh, at that time the president of NFL Films, reached out to me and asked him if I wanted to uh, be a part of the NFL matchup team, uh, which at that time, you know, was uh, Charlie Steiner was the host. And now, you know, the show has, has moved on progressively. But I said, yeah, that, that sounds like it might be fun. I guess Steve thought I had, you know, uh, the talent to go on TV. I, I think he actually hired me because I lived close and he could save on expenses. That's what I always should tell Steve. You know, I was cheap. You know, you'd have to fly me in for anywhere. I could drive here and you'd pay for the gas. I'm okay. And by the way, I still maintain an office at NFL Films. And occasionally I'll go in there. But now with technology, my laptop, you know, I've got two hours after the games, I got the coaching tape already. So I can be at the airport. I can be in my car. And I can be watching the game tapes already. So technology certainly has changed. But you know, I really, in, in 1990, when I started doing uh, NFL films at ESPN, hired me that same year uh, to do some of their shows, the countdown shows and uh, the, the Monday Night Football pregame show. And I kind of liked it. You know, I thought, this, this, is, this is really cool. I really like it. So I was living two careers. I was formulating my, my business career at the same time, doing my television career. And I realized how significant it was to be on TV. And how, although I had retired as an active player, and I was on national TV and you're doing Monday Night Football and 20 million people see every Monday, it really enhanced my image in the business community. So they both kind of dovetailed together and it worked out very well for me. Yeah, it's brilliant because it allows you to grow that personal brand. No now, question. Then, you know, I've always, yeah, it, you got it, it, it's kind of funny, Jordan. I was probably more recognizable after I retired than when I played, because when you're playing, you wear a helmet. You know, I had a beard at that time for yeah. the most part. All of a sudden, you're on TV every day, and you got makeup on. You're looking sharp and, you know, suit and tie and all that. And people, oh, you so, hey, there's Jaws, there's Jaws, there's Jaws. They, they saw my face more than they saw 
number seven on the field. Yeah, and was that the – like, I understand that you kind of fell into it, but was personal brand a major element of that? Because you just finished one of the longest careers that anyone's had, and you don't want to rest. You want to just get going. I, I mean, I love it. I love it. That's what we're all about. But just why? Well, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's how I'm wired. You know, I'm, okay. I'm, not, I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to put the time in. And I'm a big believer if you put the time in, you'll be successful. And uh, I, I can honestly say, you know, it did put it did put some stress. You know, uh, there, there were times during the years I was doing Monday Night Football where for six months I'm working 90 hours a week. I mean, 90 hours a week. Oh, wow. Fortunately, I have a fantastic wife. I have three great kids, six grandsons. Um, so I do have a, a great, great family. And, and that's probably the one part I, I, I should have got out early. I think it was very important. To, to let your audience know is that you know it's very critical that you have a supporting family to allow you to do your thing per se you know and and my wife allowed me to do my thing and you know I was playing football she was raising the kids because that's a demanding job and you're you know you're putting in those 12 hour days during the season and you come home and you're studying tape and the coach calls you at 11 o'clock and said hey I got a couple plus 20 plays or red zone plays or you know goal line plays I want to put in so you get out of bed and you put the, you know, at that time it was a projector, you know, an eight millimeter projector you're, you're looking at tape on, you know? So that, that, and, and my family understood that, that, that was my job. That was my gig. And they are very supportive of that. So it was very, very important that uh, my family bought in as well. Yeah. And that's always it. Cause no one, it's not just life. Like you're not just a football player or just a broadcaster. You encompass so many different elements a father, a son, whatever it is. So how do you best juggle these and what rules do you have with your wife or your kids? Or is there, is there anything in that regard? No, I mean, I, I don't think we, we have no written rules. I mean, we, we both have a great understanding of each other. Our kids understand us. We understand them. Um, I, I think we, we brought them up the right way, taught them, you know, how to live their life the right way. And, um, we, we have a, a sign in our house that says you have to give your children roots and you have to give them wings. And we kind of, oh. you know, we, we kind of felt that way, you know, we're going to give them good solid roots, but sooner or later they got to go out on their own and you got to make sure those are good solid roots they have. So no matter what happens, they know that they can always come home because that's where their roots are. So uh, that, that, that hangs in our bedroom. So uh, it's kind of a, a you know, a, a good model to live by. Yeah. I like that a lot. And when you were going you mentioned that with football, you were starting to buy golf courses. What gave you that idea slash why'd you want to, was it just because you enjoyed golfing or what? No, number what one, I was scared really to death. That? I was scared to death of having a short career. You know, as you mentioned, I, yeah. I was very lucky to play 17 years, but you know, my, my formative years when I was out with the Los Angeles Rams, um, we had a meeting with the player association and I had signed a four year contract out in LA and we had a meeting, and it was Steve Garvey at the time. He comes in, and it was the executive director of the NFL Players Association. He addresses the team, and he goes, um, well, most of you guys, because that time most players are signing, you know, three, four, five-year contract. He says, uh, most of you guys will never see your retirement checks. I'm like, and I'm like 22 years old, and I'm like, you know, I can sign this contract. I'm going to, this going to be awesome. I'm going to do this forever. And he gets into the, the length of a career. The average NFL career is 3.1 years. And wow. it still is, it still is about that. And here we are 40 years later, you know, more than that. 
And that is the length of an NFL career. So it, literally at that point, I started thinking about my mortality as an NFL player. You know, I'm not thinking I'm going to play 17 years. It's not thinking, holy cow, I could be done in a few years. So I started thinking about life after professional football. And uh, then I get traded to, to, to Philadelphia. And in 1979, I got involved with my first business with some teammates of mine. You know, we uh, uh, we bought a business and it was it was a health club with a golf course on it. And I really learned the golf business in that first endeavor. And a couple of years later, I I bought my first golf course uh, for a million six. And I wasn't making that kind of money. I was, I was making about four hundred thousand a year. I was, oh, this is a great story, Jordan. You'll love this. Yeah. 1980. I am the highest paid player in the National Football League. 1980. Okay. I was getting four hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, now what, did, what did Patrick Mahomes get? Like forty million a year? It's true. It's <laughs> insane. It's absolutely insane. Forty-five million. Yes, I was making four hundred thousand a year. I still have the headline uh, in the Philadelphia Inquirer hanging in my bar at home: Jaworski, highest-paid Eagle ever. It was a four hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, so when I when I invested in the golf course, I spent a million six worth and borrowed some money and leveraged some things. You know, I really learned the business quick. When it was my own yeah. money at stake, I mean, I'm, I'm playing professional football at the time. I got a business I'm trying to get started. Um, it was kind of a juggling act, but I also knew my priority was professional football and the business was secondary. And fortunately, I had a fantastic wife who filled that void and did things, you know, that, that we needed to do to keep the business side going. And when I had time, I would devote time to that. So when I retired in 90, I kind of really got – a little more focused on, on the business side of things. Now, do you deem their careers as an analyst and as a current, as a prior player? What is it that's that most of these guys are missing that you didn't miss at all? I I, I can't speak for them. I I, I just knew what resonated yeah. to me in the early seventies was and it was that long term mindset. That long term mindset and start looking for other opportunities that. You like, I, I did like golf. Um, I'd like to play, you know, I, I'm, I'm a decent player, not as good as I used to be, but I like the game. I like camaraderie of the game. I like meeting people. I like being around people. So it seemed like a natural entree for me. Yeah. Oh, makes total sense. And I, from my perspective, it looks like the long-term vision. Yeah. And it, it still is a long-term vision. vision. I, I have some investors with me as well. Um, so now uh, Joe Flacco, Super Bowl MVP a few years ago, was one of my investors. Joe lives down the street here, and we've become very good friends since his high school dates at Audubon High School. And we'd play golf in the summer, and Joe said, hey, hey Josh, if you're going to buy another golf course, let me know. I'd like to invest with you. It looks like you know, you're doing well and you're having a good time. So the first opportunity that, that came up to buy another golf course, and I said, here at Ramblewood, I, I reached out to Joe. He said, yeah, come, come to my house uh, next Saturday morning. This is in the off season." And I come there and I got, you know, all my uh, prospectuses and everything about what we're going to do. And we bought the club and blah, blah, blah. I got, yeah, I'm ready. I got all the spreadsheets, all the pictures, all the video, all the master plan. Here's how we're going to do it. And so Joe asked one simple question to me. He goes, how much are you putting into the deal? I said, I'm putting in a half a million. He says, okay, I'll do half a million. So he didn't, he didn't care about, I mean, he cared about the spreadsheet, but he was, he was buying into me. And I think that's what, what I've been able to build through the years is a credibility. When a guy like Joe Flacco, you know, he, hey, I'm sure he needs to have his account look at the numbers. He said, Charles, what are you in for? I'll go in with what you're in for. So he trusted in me to handle his hard-earned money. And I take that responsibility 
very serious. So it worked out very well. That's awesome. And and how do you touching on that? How do you really build trust in the leader when you were with as the quarterback? And then how do you build trust in business? Uh, and are they similar? By, by, or are they yeah, different? By well, you got. I think number one in, in pro sports, you, you got to be a leader. And I think I think players see that. Uh, players will matriculate to a leader. I think it's, you know, they want to surround themselves with, with, with leaders. And, and, and I, you know, as a quarterback, the nature of that position is one of, of leadership. And I, I took that very seriously. And it's the same thing in business. I take my role as a leader of a company very seriously. Hey, and, and trust me, Jordan, I've made some mistakes along the way. And, and, you know, that's always going to happen. Uh, but you, you can't let the mistakes weigh you down. Like I, you know, I threw a lot of interceptions too, but you got to move on. And when you make a mistake, you learn from it, you move on. And I've learned, from business, you know, same thing. Not every day is going to be a great day. You're going to get knocked down someday. Right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic. How would you like to own seven restaurants at a golf course that I have right now where indoor dining is not allowed? You know, so you got to yeah. pivot. You got to pivot and do something else. And you got to be creative and you have good people around you that give you ideas and thoughts. So um, it, it, it's an ever changing business. And I think the leadership part becomes very important because I'll use the Joe Flacco example. He saw five years ago, what I was doing in the business. He had lived in this community where my reputation, I believe, is is good and strong. My family reputation is good and strong. My philanthropic foundation has raised over $5 million for oh, wow. in our community called the Jaws Youth Playbook. So I think people see me not as a guy that was a football player turned businessman, but also someone that really understands it's important to be involved in your community. Yeah, and with Edwards Consulting, we have five pillars. It's mental health, physical health, community service, philanthropy, family, friends, and then spirituality. And the winner. That's it. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm saying you, you and I, baby. Yeah. You you excel in all of these. What well, I don't need to sell them. It's it's it, it, it's who I no, am. No, no, excel, excel. I, I, I know I know what you're saying, but that 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 that's who I am. And I tell what you see is what you get. You're the love yeah. me, I hope you love me, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to change because you're going to change. Me. Yeah, I love that. You got to keep it to yourself and what your morals are. That's so correct. what do you think the biggest things you learned from football to transferring into business when you were making those jumps? Because obviously they're very different arenas. But it, 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 it really, it really, I had started while I was playing. So I had a little bit of a head start in the business world, but not until I got, you know, fully engrossed in it. Um, did I realize there are certain things I had to change? Uh, I couldn't okay. do it all myself. And okay. as I grow the company, I have over 400 employees in my company and I got to rely oh, wow. on those people. I, you know, my, my, my wife is the president of the corporation. My, my son is basically the CEO. They do all, they do all the, they do all the hard lifting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. you know? <laughs> I go out and I be me, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I do. But I, but I did learn as business, as I moved on in my business career was that you really, got to surround yourself with good people because you, you, you know, I got 400 employees. I can't manage everyone, but I got to put people in positions where they can be successful. It's up to me to set them up for success. So I got to hire good general managers at, at, at my clubs. They in turn have to hire good people under them because it really is, you know, the, the people that make it work. I, you know, I, I got all these operation manuals and standard operation manual, all this stuff. And are, you know, they're all pretty much you have to do it now with all our government rules and, you have to go by, you have to do all these things in regards to human resources, but you have to do it. But I always believe that you got to get the right people. 
you got to have the right people. And hey, and if I made mistakes, absolutely. There have been a lot of people that have disappointed me through the years, but yeah. you know, yeah, I, I don't say I don't look back on those. I look ahead. Okay, I learned from that mistake. I got fooled by that person. They didn't have the work ethic that this position demands, or, or whatever role may be. And I, you know, hopefully, I learned from that. But I'm sure I'll make mistakes down the road again. But again, you learn from them. Yeah, as long as you continue to learn and grow, that's really one of the keys. Yep. And and it's the constant progressing. Now, I understand that you said you're wired this way, but you are, uh, let me, it's 69 years old, right? That's correct. Yep. How are you still just going and just not letting anything get in your way and pushing forward? What, what really drives you? I, I like people and I get motivated by being around people. I think, you know, you got to have that little kid enthusiasm. And I don't ever want to lose that, you know. Hey, next year I'll be 70. You know, I, I, hopefully I'm the same guy I was when I was 22 and as a rookie in the NFL, just enjoying life, enjoying what I'm doing. And, and I feel that way now. I, I still, you know, I love to come to the office. I love to work. I love to be around people. So I don't I don't ever want to lose that little kid enthusiasm. If I'm on the air at uh, NFL Films or the NFL Network, if I'm in the pro shop at the golf course or playing around a golf, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Life is Life is too short. I completely agree with that. There's so many people who think as you get older, you got to be angry, upset about something. No, you got to enjoy life Absolutely. and really make the most out of it. Really got to make the most out of it. Yep. So what do you think were some of your, some of the keys like for you to be so, like, why were you so good in the NFL in Our business work. and then with broadcasting? I think, I think it the NFL, in. number one, uh, I was blessed. The good yeah. Lord gave me, you know, talent to play the quarterback position. So I was born with a certain talent that I maximized. Um, but coaches uh, and people that respected and, and actually loved me, you know, uh, got that utmost talent out of me by sometimes being really hard on me, sometimes giving me a pat on the back, sometimes giving me a kick in the butt, you know, whatever it took to get me motivated. That's why – I mentioned it's so important to mention those coaches that were kind of mentors and and, and formed my fabric. Um, but you know, to, to make it in the NFL, it's it, it, it's hard work. And you know, it, as I prepare now, like during the draft, I see quarterbacks that are going to be drafted. I see quarterbacks the Super Bowl, and I talk to guys, um, and they ask me questions. Young guys, particularly, you know, how did you last yeah. seven years? All those things. I say it's a hard business. No one's going to yeah. give you anything, and not only football, but in business. There's no Santa Claus out there. No one is going to give you anything. You've got to go out and earn it. And, and I, I just felt since you know I got in the NFL, I, I just had to prove myself. And I, no matter what accomplishments I had, I felt I had to do better. So I was pretty much self-motivated, self-driven to succeed. That's awesome. That that really is key in any aspect in any area of life. That you really yeah, got yeah, to do and, it yourself. And Jordan, yeah, to, to dovetail that into, you know, the, the working at, at ESPN for you know, 29 years, it was the same thing. You know, I mean, you know, I didn't start. They didn't hire me like Tony Romo put me in the, in, in, in the broadcast. Yeah. Monday Night Football. I mean, I, I paid my dues, you know. For sure. I was, I was a sideline reporter at games doing live interviews and people throwing peanuts at me, you know. So, yeah. And, <laughs> when and when what, you're a Philadelphia Eagle doing a game in Washington, New York, or Dallas, you're not like. So they, <laughs> you, would, you, would, you would take that abuse. But, you know, you learn how to deal with all those things. Uh, and so I kept getting a working working up the totem pole as I went along. And I said, well, I like this. I like this. And, you know, 
obviously get the the, the, the prime seat of Monday Night Football. Um, that was a special that was a special five years for me. It really was. But you know, at ESPN, you earn you earn what you get over there. It's not because you're a nice guy. You know, you, yeah. you have to prove that you can you can pay the price of success, and you're going to put the time in. Like I said, it's ninety hours a week. You know. And when Julian yeah. came on the team, it became a hundred hours a week because he was, you know, he was the energizer bunny, man. He never slept, you know. <laughs> so, but the, those are there's, 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 like I said, there's no Santa Claus. If you want something, and you really want it bad enough, you got to earn it. You got to work at it. Definitely. And what do you think allowed you to go into broadcasting? I understand you enjoyed it, but going from the man to kind of restarting because you you were starting a new career, and that's never yep. fun, like. It's yeah, good, it, but it's tough. It, it was, I, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I worked the NFL boot camp, which is held at NFL Films every year for a number of years. And this is a boot camp for active players and a few retired guys that want to make the transition from a, a, a player, an active player, retired player, to the broadcast booth. And so I've, I've worked with these guys for probably 10 years. They bring them in for a week. Um, they come to my office. They sit in my office. They go to all the other amenities that NFL Films has. Each network sends representatives to NFL Films, not only ESPN, but ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. They all, they all have representatives there that work with the talent, that how to get them to the next level. So one of the things that I've always told the guys is do something that sets yourself aside. Don't do something that 100 other guys are doing and, and, and emulate or copy them. Do something that's unique to you and your personality that's going to set you apart. And my separation was I was a wonk for the film study. I'm, I'm, I can sit and watch game tape to this day and just sit there and look at it, look at it, and break that. It's what I love to do. And when I first started at uh, NFL Films and ESPN, there was kind of this feeling, ah, people don't want to hear about those X's and O's. They were dead wrong. And I proved that a few years later because the matchup show is, is about X's and O's, why a play worked, why it didn't work. So it wasn't just a fluff of television. People really wanted to know more about the game. And, and I feel, you know, I was an educator. You know, I wrote a book, seven, seven, seven Games That Changed the Game, Seven Games That Changed the Landscape of the NFL. It was a, it, it was, it was a football book. And I loved it. It took me two years uh, with Greg Cosell and Dave Plot to write the book. But we did research on tape. You know, we found tape from the 60s, the 50s. We broke it down. We studied it. And it was that approach that I think separated me from – the hundreds of other guys that, that wanted my job, you know, you, you yeah. got to find something that you really like to do. And where, when I first got in the business, people weren't going, Oh, they were saying, Oh, X's and O's that's too deep. No, no, we did it the right way. And we educated, you know, we educated uh, the fans. We educated the players. I mean, Drew Brees was telling me when he was at Purdue, he would get up every morning at eight o'clock to watch the NFL matchup shows <laughs> because I would do X's and O's. And it's from a guy that's, you got a first ballot Hall of Famer, one arguably one of the yeah, quarterbacks ever. I didn't miss that show, you know. That makes me <laughs> feel good because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be different, and I wanted to educate those people that didn't have the same in-depth of knowledge that I had because I learned it from the coaches I was around. For sure, it makes it makes the whole difference. And what you focused on really was providing value and giving things to people instead of yeah. going, "This player had 400 yards." Yes, people are interested in that, but I remember even when I played high school football, I was always watching ESPN. I was always watching you. Like, yeah. it's not a surprise. You know, anybody could uh, 
reach over and, you know, there are more stats now than you can find anywhere. I mean, my guy Jason is sitting over here. He gives me more statistical information uh, than you could ever imagine, you know, and, uh, to the inch of what a guy <laughs> throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what happens? You go in the air and they, you know, put up a teleprompter and say, okay, read this. I don't know. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing I I like stats. And I'll, I'll use them as a foundation, but I yeah. like to look at the tape. I'm going to form my own opinion of why a guy is a great player or why they lost a game or why they won a game. I'm going to form my own opinion by watching the coaching tape of the game because, hey, that's the eye in the sky. does not lie. I learned that back yeah. in college. The eye in the sky. You played. You know it. There's some days you dreaded going to that meeting room and the coach is going to put that thing yeah. on. But the eye in the sky does not lie. And, and I get, I, 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 I've got stories about I, I'll give you a quick story. I'm okay. doing the matchup show and I'm doing ESPN games on Sunday. And I go, Brian Cox was a linebacker at this time with the Chicago Bears. I remember he had a really stellar career with, with the Miami Dolphins. So that pre that day before the game, I did a piece that was negative on Brian Cox. I yeah. was a cover two split safety look, and he bit he bit the play action fake, the tight end released outside, and get down home and get a big play. Yeah. So I go, I get assigned to Chicago where he's with, with with the Bears. And I go, oh, one of the guys can interview is Brian Cox. <laughs> he walk he walks into the room. He goes, Charles, I didn't like that piece you did on me, man. But you were right. <laughs> well, you were right. And that's what it's all well, you're about. Right. That's that's what it's yeah, all about. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I just got, he, he couldn't say I was wrong. He knew he was wrong. I showed a play where, you know, he took a step forward and he should have taken a step back. The tight end gets behind him and you get one of these, you know, a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, and I say, here's what Brian Cox made a, made a mistake. But it's, yeah. But inevitably, I always get those guys the next week after I do a negative piece out of them. <laughs> they get a chance to shred me, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, but that's what it's all about. It's about making your own decisions, especially with investments, life choices, anything. You have yeah. to come up with your own opinions. That's correct. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. And what, uh, what are you really focusing on nowadays? Um, this time of year, the golf is. This is, as, as everyone knows, you know, this country is going through a very challenging time with the pandemic. Um, you know, you have to pivot every single day because the rules change every single day. Um, fortunately, the golf business is flourishing right now because there's really nothing else to do. Nothing else is open. So the golf business is flourishing. But at the same time, yeah. a big piece of my business is you know, I have sports bars in all my golf courses. I have big wedding facilities and pretty much weddings are not happening right now. Uh, in New Jersey, there is no indoor dining whatsoever, only outdoor dining. So um, the last five months for anyone involved with business has been very, very challenging because you know, it's a moving target. Every day you wake up, yeah. you know, uh, what's coronavirus doing today? You know, what's it going to impact yeah. today? And it certainly is, uh, you know, very, very important that safety is first. So, you know, I, I've been obviously paying attention to my to my business. I've been doing a, a lot of th this type of work. He's virtual uh, speaking. Yeah. And I'm speaking to colleges like uh, University of Oregon, uh, Temple University, Westchester University. I've been speaking, yeah. you know, like this, to uh, their uh, – uh, their media media communication, their sports media communications classes, doing this type of stuff because you can't be around. I love being around people physically, yeah. but you just can't do it now. I I probably do 50 motivational speeches a year, so that you know that would normally keep me real busy. Um, yeah. But right now, I'm not going anywhere. I'm sitting here in my office, so <laughs> yeah. that's about it. But but you know, I I, I accept the challenge. Um, we'll do what we can to keep our business going in a positive way. 
I'll keep the smile on my face and just keep plugging along. It's, you know, it may be third long, but you know what? I'm going to hit that dig for 20 yards first down. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And then to kind of conclude, what, what are your thoughts on the season? Do you think we're going to have a season? Um, Do you think it's going to be limited fans or you? you well, there'll be no fans. I, I think that's kind of the. the oh, the, really? The, yeah, I don't think there'll be any fans in NFL games. Um, okay. I, I think the NFL will find a way to play the games, although I can't say, oh, yeah, they're going to play. You know, I, I think for the most part, the league is putting the makeup and lipstick on and trying to present that beautiful picture, you know? Um, of course. Everything's going to be fine. Um, hey, Roger Dell has done a magnificent job with the league, uh, the growth that's happening. But this is something that we've never seen before, at least in our lifetimes. Like the last time, you know, it was 100 years ago when there was a pandemic of this magnitude. So I would like to say, oh, yeah, they're going to play. But, you know, it may change tomorrow. It's a crazy world we live in right now. And you got to be able to adapt to change. And that's what everyone's doing right now. And like I said a moment ago, I I think health and safety is critical and paramount now. But but I, I do believe, you know, there's other things that are involved that's other than just just the health of, of the players. There's a lot of things going on in our country, in our economy uh, that has everyone concerned. Yeah, definitely. And I think people are just trying to find some normalcy and sports usually provides oh, amen. that. <laughs> amen, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just difficult because you watch the NFL, or not the NFL yet, you watch NHL or basketball or baseball, and it's awesome that three seasons are going on right now. Yep. Three different sports. Hey, how about but golf last weekend? The PGA oh, Championship. Yeah. How, how good was that? You know, amazing. It was great, it was great stuff. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm I'm peeking in on baseball. I'm peeking in on hockey. Uh, you know, watching what what I can. But all you know, these virtual fans and all that, I, I have a hard time. I I, I just it, it does nothing for me. I think they're trying to do something that is not resonating with people. But it is what it is. At least we got some competitive sports on. And we can watch and watch the teams that we root for. Yeah. And like you were saying before, with all this chaos going on, it's opportunity. So, yeah, maybe the NBA, it might not work out with the virtual fans, but they're providing an option instead of baseball. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as long as they're playing with something, something will stick. And maybe, who knows, we could start going to baseball and football games for $10 because we can get virtual seats instead of the $1,000. (laughs) well jaws it has been a pleasure you are a wealth of knowledge and we're we're so excited to have you on the clocked in podcast and do you have any last comments well yeah keep up the great work i mean it it was fun it was fun being on your show let's do it somewhere down the road maybe we'll talk about some real live nfl games next time oh i can't wait when the season's (laughs) going all right thank you i really appreciate it good luck thanks jordan thank you for listening to the entirety of the podcast if you enjoyed it which i hope you did i'd really appreciate if you leave a five-star review and subscribe as we're going to keep putting out better and better content if you want to keep up with us and who's going to be a guest and who's going to be on the show follow me at at Jedwards559 on Instagram. It's J-E-D-W-A-R-D-S 559 on Instagram. I really hope you guys keep clocking in and you learn some valuable information from this podcast. And I hope to see you again soon. Everyone have a great day. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, 
We'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.